Oh, it's good to see everybody this morning. Praise God. You know, uh, we're going to go on and we're going to talk about being led by the Spirit of God today uh, on Pentecost, where we're celebrating Pentecost. Before I do that, though, you know, our nation is experiencing some things. So I just, um, you know, there's been a lot of violence in our city uh, and across the nation. You know, I, I, as a 58-year-old man, I grew up with this. Um, in the 60s, when I was a little kid in Chicago, you know, my, we lived on the north side of Chicago, and racism really was very strong. And my mom had a lot of really good friends that lived on the south side of Chicago, so we would go to the south side of Chicago. And, and friends would come to the north side of Chicago. So it was amazing how that we would see racism, even as a little kid. I'm like, why in the world does somebody not like somebody because of the color of their skin? You know, and as a Christian, guys, we are people of all race, right? And God is a God who is no respecter of persons, but he treats every person as the precious fruit of the earth. So our nation, as we are approaching the end of the church age, this is being escalated. So I just wanted to read something out of Matthew for you. It's horrible what has happened to individuals. You know, uh, even as I left Chicago, you know, a lot of my friends were African-American because I played basketball, and so I, I spent a lot of time in the inner city, and I would see, when I would go about with my friends, I would see how it, I got a glimpse of what it would be like to, as my, a great friend of mine down in Manhattan, Kansas, uh, Pastor Sterling Hudgens, uh, he, he uses the phrase, how it is to live in my skin as a black man. And, you know, he grew up in New York City. He was actually a Black Panther, uh, hated white people, and uh, came out of a very abusive uh, family and everything. And, and gosh, this guy, if you met him, you would, you would laugh because you'd be like, you are like the most gracious man and loving man of all race, of all people. There's not any hardness in him in any way but that's what Jesus does. When people ask us how our church is, tell me what faith family is like. I always tell them, I go, you know, our church is a lot like heaven. It's people of all race, of all color, of different cultures, of different you know, ethnic groups and different genders, different ages, all flowing together because there is something about our God that permeates through the life of every child of God as they walk with him. As God is no respecter of persons, so we are no respecter of persons. Well, I don't even like to have to take the time in a service to talk about these things, but I've got to tell you that we need to because as you look at who we are as the church, we're the only ones on this planet that have authority. So protesting, if you'll notice, so many times leads to violence. You know, 
in California when Jeanette and I decided to go to Rama. It was in 1992, and it was during, we were leaving California when the LA riots were just breaking out. And, and you know, I had a lot of friends. I played a lot of basketball as a younger man in South Central Los Angeles. And it's scary for people when this gets going because this is why the enemy is never a person. The enemy will use people to do horrible things. But the enemy is always the enemy. And so we in the church, as we're in these times, this is, these are just birth pangs. You know, like the Bible talks about the end times being like a woman giving birth. This is like labor pains. We see a lot of things happening in the heavens. We see, you know, asteroids and meteors coming close to the earth, certain stars and galaxies lining up. We see all these signs in the earth, earthquakes, unprecedented. You know, all these things. But then in, in Matthew chapter 10, and this is, an, it is not an end time message, so I'm going to try not to get stuck here. Um, but Matthew, in Matthew chapter 10, I believe it's verse 27. Let me just see. Well, it, it's, let me see here. Let me see if I could find it. It's where nation shall rise against nation. I've got so many scriptures about the Holy Spirit going through me right now, I can't think about that. Anyway, it says, it says in the last days, nation, it might be 727. Here we go. 247. We talk about these things 247. So <laughs> thank you very much, John. Thank you. Thank you. 247. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says here. For many, let's start in verse uh, four. Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. This is Matthew 24, four. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. That goes on a little bit in the world today, doesn't it? All the time. And see that you be not troubled. This is what I want you to see. You have to make a decision that in the time that we're living in, nothing is going to trouble me. It's very important that we as Christians stay at peace because we have the ability in prayer because of the authority that we have in the earth to bring the presence of God and the peace of God into situations it's so important that we we don't get troubled right it says for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet and then it says for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom the word nation it's a little vague in the king james it's the greek word ethnos it means ethnic group race shall rise against race, race and ethnic group. Satan loves to divide and destroy. I believe that there will be a revival breakout in our city and in our nation. And it's amazing. Like when you go to Israel, you know when a Muslim gets saved, they love the Jew. It's amazing. 
the answer to racism is the love of God. So once again, guys, it is time for us to rise up. I want to encourage you. We're going to pray as a church today, but I want to encourage you to pray for our city. Pray for our nation. You know, that, that, that literally, this is the prayer, that the church would rise up and pray and be Jesus in a situation so that we'll know what to say. You know, if you grew up in a white neighborhood, not around any kind of black culture, you have no idea what it is like to have darker skin and how you're treated. You have no idea what it's like to maybe be Chinese or Middle Eastern or be, be a Muslim after 9-11. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things. But guys, let's, let me just read this. It says this. Uh, there shall be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. But look how it turns, and this is why you need to know this. It says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Guys, this is where the whole thing is going. Satan loves to get people to rise up and be angry at other people. But what he really wants to do is get the whole world to hate the Christian. The reason why is so that he, he's trying to stop the gospel. Right? It's amazing what the love of God will do. So embrace in you, you are a child of God. You know, I think it would have been fun watching Adam and Eve have children or after the flood have children because I think in that pure bloodline, I bet there was a baby that came out that was a little lighter skin and then another one came out and the baby's eyes were a little more slanted and then another one came out and kind of had a reddish tint and then another one came out that was a, a little darker in color. We're all the children of God. And here's the thing. We are a speaking spirit. You're a spirit man. So you know we embrace all people. When you walk with God, you will grow to love what he loves. And he loves all people at all times, under all circumstances. That's who God is. Amen? Amen. So here is what I want to read. Isaiah 59. There's a scripture in Isaiah. I believe it's verse 19. And what a, what a day to read this scripture. You know, as we're, as we're celebrating Pentecost, what Pentecost was is literally is when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church. And the, the people, the children of God, were empowered to be a witness. And the gospel is still spreading as a result of that. You need power. You need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's great to be saved. So great. 
when the Spirit of God comes to dwell within you. But that's not enough. Jesus said, listen guys, don't you go out and do anything after the resurrection. I want you to go to Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. If you do a study in the New Testament, you could always tell if, the Holy, if it's talking about salvation, it talks about the Holy Spirit in you. If it's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's always talking about the Spirit of God to be upon you. It is not an option. You must be, you must receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. You have to have that because you, you have to be empowered. So it says in Isaiah 59, 19, and this is what I believe. It says, so then they fear or so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And then, and now the King James, I believe they've got the comma in the wrong place. It says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. I don't believe that that's the way that it should be spoken. I believe it shall be spoken when the enemy shall come in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. This word standard, who is the standard? It is the mighty Holy Spirit. He inhabits the praises of God's people. He brings revelation of the word of God. He guides us into all the truth. See, how does this all work? He testifies of Jesus. This word standard can be translated banner. And literally what the Holy Spirit will do when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Holy Spirit will stir you with Scripture so that you, who represent the body of Christ in this earth, will literally rise up out of your spirit, man, and speak the Word of God, which literally, like a flood, raises up a banner against him and when you submit yourself to god and resist the devil he flees from you like he's in terror so i want to encourage you use your authority over your household use your authority wherever you go because guys times can be a little dangerous but it is not to come near you so keep violence away from your house. If you're driving, wherever you're driving, keep violence away from you. When you go to work, you know that when you walk in that building, you bring the kingdom of God. Bind Satan from that place. Because the Bible says, every place that the sole of your foot treads upon, I have given you. Wherever you go, if you go to a store, the enemy's bound. That store becomes the kingdom of God. You go to a restaurant, that restaurant becomes the kingdom of God. And your father, who always will cause you to triumph, will literally, 
he will leave a fragrance of the knowledge of God wherever you go. It'll impact people. So what do we do as, child, as children of God? We stop the voice and the mouth of the enemy. It's so important. I know, I know we come out of this really fun time with Teresa and Sam, right? Or I guess, who I, I don't know what Sam's name in that. Say, Teresa's name is Say Amen. I think that's awesome, right? Let us pray and say amen. Yeah, yeah. Makes me want to go to children's church. Um, but I needed to talk to you today about this. Let's, let's just take a moment and let's pray. Amen? Father, we come before you and we thank you that whenever we pray that we have your ear. And we thank you that whenever we pray according to your will, you hear us and you answer. And your answer is always yes. So Father, first of all, we pray for all the victims of these racial crimes and their families. We pray, Father, that you would come into that situation, into that family unit, and that you would bring salvation to these people. All of the victims of all of the protesting, the businesses that are being burnt, people that are being injured, all of these things, Father, we pray for all of those victims, that, Father, that you would bring salvation into that situation, and that your name would comfort and strengthen and protect in the name of Jesus. Father, for our cities and our communities, right now, we as the church rise up. And Father, we pray, as your word tells us, that you would cause your love, your glory, your peace, your fragrance of the knowledge of who you are to permeate the lives of people in Omaha, in the surrounding areas, and throughout cities in this country. Specifically, Father, as you have called us to this region, Father, right now we take authority over the enemy. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bind Satan and we stop him from increasing this, this violence in our cities and in our communities. Father, we pray for an awakening and a revival, for a pouring out of your spirit that changes societies, that changes people's hearts. Father, today we thank you. I pray for each individual here that you would just grant them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you so that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and they would know your will for their life, that they would know the incredible inheritance that they have and the incredible authority that they have been given as your child, and that, Father, that they would know the incredible power that is available and pointed and permeating in their life because they believe. And, Father, we thank you as our church, Father, that we'll yield all of our fruit in our season. 
as we go into this world. Give us the words to say to people to bring peace and to bring your life. We thank you for the mighty Holy Spirit, for his anointing. Oh, Father, we thank you for baptizing us in the Holy Ghost and with fire. And Father, we thank you that Faith Family Church would be a beacon of love in this city and in the surrounding communities. That it would be a safe refuge for all cultures and all race. And that, Father, that, you're, that you would just continue to grow us up in yielding to your love. That, Father, that you would teach us and, and lead us to walk in your faith and to walk in your strength. And, Father, we thank you for teaching us and for leading us, for stirring us to be led by your Spirit and to be Jesus in our world for such a time as this. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. 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 You know, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. We're talking about, and we'll go ahead, you could start, yep, there already had me. Acts chapter 10, hallelujah. I've got some great notes here that I hope, hopefully I'll get to. Acts chapter 10. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 38. It says this, Acts 10, 38. How God anointed. This, this is the Greek word creo. It literally means how God laid his hands upon Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, it says, and with power, but it, it would read this way, with the Holy Ghost, even with power. This is the Greek word dunamis. This word, we get our word dynamite from it. It is miraculous power that is released and loosed. How God laid his hands upon Jesus and anointed him with the mighty Holy Spirit and even with dunamis, miraculous power that is released, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Isn't that awesome? Now go to Luke chapter 24 in verse 49. Luke 24, in verse 49. Hallelujah. Now remember, in this series, we've talked in John, where Jesus is going to the cross, and he's like, guys, where I'm going, you can't come right now, but when I go to the Father, I'm, gonna have, I'm going to send you. He will proceed from the Father, the Spirit of truth, the mighty Holy Spirit, he will come to this earth and he will be with you forever. So Jesus said that. Now look at Luke chapter 24, verse 49. And it says, and behold. Whenever you read that, this is what it's like in the Greek. Wow! 
right? Have you, everybody, have you ever heard anybody say that? That's literally how strong this word is. Wow, I send the promise of my Father again upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. This is the Greek word enduo. Wow. It is a progressive Greek word. It's progressive. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is one baptism in the Holy Spirit, but continuous fillings. Because you're endued with it. This Greek word is progressive. <coughs> it's growing. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it starts, as maybe you've heard me say this, as a trickle, but will grow into like a creek and will continue to grow into a lake. And then it'll continue because you keep be being filled and it grows into a river and then a mighty river and then an ocean of the move of the Spirit in your life. It keeps getting, he, or I should say this, he keeps getting deeper and wider. It takes you farther and higher. That's the baptism. That's the Greek word here. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. And behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be enduoed. This literally means to put on or to be clothed with. God wants you to be clothed with the Holy Spirit in an ever-increasing second-by-second, minute-by-minute way so that you take the power of the Holy Spirit wherever you go. We get so timid to talk to anybody about Jesus because we lack power. And we try to conjure it up, but you can't do that. You either walk in dunamis or you don't. The dunamis power has nothing to do with you. It's all him. And when you're empowered by him, you can't stay silent. It'll cause you to lay hands on the sick. It'll cause you to literally speak to mountains. It's part of your faith walk. This is huge. Be endued with power from on high. As Jesus was endued with power from on high, now Jesus is saying, you and I are to be endued with power from on high. And about 1,990 years ago, in an upper room in Jerusalem, 120 were endued with power from on high. It's powerful. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I still have more here. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Hallelujah. Always know this. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The baptism in the Holy Spirit affects you very strongly in two ways. 
It's an inward strengthening that happens when he comes upon you that will produce an outward empowerment. Always get that. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and I'm telling you, I'm be being filled all the time. As I speak in tongues, it builds up my most holy faith. As I speak in my prayer language, it strengthens me. It causes me to give thanks well. I'm praying out the perfect will of God. The Spirit of God bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. And then the Holy Spirit will give me utterance so that I pray the perfect will of God in an unknown tongue. Some people say, well, I just don't believe in that. Then grow up and get in the Word of God because it's all over the book. And if Jesus told the Christians, his children back then, guys, I know you just got born again, I know you just got made new, but don't leave Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And if you look at the book of Acts, literally seven out of the nine times that it talked about people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, seven of the nine it said that they knew they had received the baptism for they heard them speak with tongues. Two of the nine doesn't say it in the story, but the one, Paul's account on the road to Damascus, it doesn't say that Paul spoke in tongues. But Paul writing to the church at Corinth later on said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. I saw, I saw a license plate the other day. It, it was, it, we, we came out of a breakfast, I was dating my wife, we went to breakfast, and the license plate was all y'all. I love that. Paul said, I speak in tongues more, more than all y'all put together. That's exactly what he was saying. The other account, so now you're awake. So the other account was the Samaritan Christians when they got saved. It doesn't say right there they spoke with tongues, except every, this is a, an amazing fact, every theologian, everyone. Now, that is probably a greater miracle than the creation, to get every theologian, people educated way beyond their intellect, right, to agree with something. But they all agree that the Samaritan Christians spoke with other tongues. Well, I just don't believe in tongues. Okay. Well, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it be established. But you've got really seven of nine for sure, and now nine of nine? So don't ever say you don't believe in that, because that you show your ignorance and your lack of study in the Word of God. And what's sad is it cuts you off from power. So let's look at this. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Man, I said that a lot stronger than I probably should have. No, I said it right the way I was supposed to. When the Spirit of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, when it comes upon you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it, it gives you this incredible explosion of inward strength, which brings with it a confidence in God that literally causes you 
to walk in an outward empowerment. An outward empowerment means I'm laying hands on the sick. I'm speaking to mountains. I'm not fearful. I'm, I'm literally raising up a standard against the enemy. It, it brings an outward empowerment is a boldness that flows from who you are in Christ. It literally will empower you outwardly because of an inward strength that gives you confidence that, wait a minute, Jesus bore my sickness. He carried my pain. And now sickness, disease, pain, Satan, you take your hands off of my body. I am healed in the name of Jesus. Finance, poverty, lack, you got to get out of my life. You can't have my kids. There's an, out, there's an inward strengthening that produces an outward empowerment. Hallelujah. The baptism of the, in the Holy Spirit is always associated all throughout Scripture with power and experience. You're, em, you're empowered inwardly and strengthened inwardly and then it will create an experience outwardly. So you could tell if somebody is endued and baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, right now we haven't talked about this enough. So we have Christians that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit 20 years ago and haven't spoke in their prayer language for 20 years because they thought it was an experience. And they didn't understand it, so they just, instead of getting in the Word, I mean, I remember when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, my mom got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and she made that appointment for me. In, our, in, my, in my life, I mean, I, you don't mess with mom. Wow, right? When I was a little kid, it was a wooden spoon. Whew. She would light me up with that thing. When I got older, it was a switch. And oh my gosh, man, I would pray, oh Lord, let it be my stepdad. Because he'd hit me three times, I'd act like it really hurt. But my mom would light me up. It was awesome when I got in high school because she'd get so mad at me and I would just hug her. So, so her arms were next to her and she couldn't move. And I'd kiss her on the cheek and on the neck and tell her I loved her. And she would just be like, let me go. I am so angry at you. And I would just hold her until she started laughing. And then she would calm down. And then when I thought, okay, it's safe now. But when my mom said, listen, hey, I, I mean, we grew up Baptist. We, we grew up in, in our particular Baptist church. We were told it was of the devil, that Holy Spirit baptism stuff. So my mom comes home one day, and she goes, I just received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm young. I'm 15 years old. And, uh, and I'm like, okay. She goes, check this out. Right? And then she starts speaking in tongues. You know, and I'm like, okay. And she goes, it's so awesome. I mean, my tongue changed. I felt power. It was amazing. And I made an appointment with the youth pastor. You're going down tomorrow and receiving this. And this youth pastor was this little effeminate guy. And I didn't like him. Because I played basketball, a lot of people in the city knew me. 
you know, uh, and so I heard him telling a family at our church, I was around the corner, and I heard him say, oh yeah, you know, Tony Finley goes to our youth group. And I'm like, no, I don't. I've never been to that youth group. And, and that, that kept me from youth groups. God used me later on to become a youth pastor and help people, because every young person needs to be part of a, a good, strong youth group. And so, so I go down, you know, because I have to listen to my mom, and I'm thinking, oh, man. So the pastor's house, parsonage, was right next to this church. And so I go in the living room, and uh, this, this guy comes to the door, and I'm like, hey, yeah, you know, I guess we have a meeting and whatever, you know, and all this stuff. And so he goes, okay, great. He goes, just have a seat on the couch. So I sit on the couch. You, you know the way teenagers sit, right? You just kind of. There was a coffee table right in front of me. And he sat down on the coffee table, and his legs were like right here. And I'm like, what in the world? If this guy, I will knock him out, you know? And so that was literally my attitude. And, and, and he's like, he starts, he goes, he starts taking me through the Bible and showing me what the word of God, it was the only thing he did right. Thank God he did that because it saved me. He, he showed me in the word. And, and I remember thinking to myself, because while he was showing me in the word, I didn't even know it then, but the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart. And I knew this was right. So then at the end of it, he goes, so do you see that the initial evidence that you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just you speak in, you speak in tongues? Tongues is not the baptism, it's just the initial evidence. And this is what tongues is, and he went through, he showed me the scriptures and all this other stuff. And so I'm like, yeah, 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 and have you, has this ever happened to you? So, so now it's the moment of truth. So he says, okay, so we're going to pray, and God's going God's to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? And I'm like, sure. You know, because I'm just thinking, man, my mouth is going to swell, I'm going to feel all this power, <laughs> just like my mom, Right? And so he goes, okay, hold my hands. So I'm sitting here with this little dude who probably couldn't throw a ball. He was so unathletic. And he wants me to hold his hands. So, so I, I kind of did this, and then he grabbed my hands. And so I'm sitting there, and, and my hands sweat. It's horrible. Like when I played basketball, I'd always have to dry them off. When, when I hold my wife's hand too long, I'm like, I'm so sorry, you know, because I just, my hands have always sweat a lot. And David, I'm sorry, that's why, yeah. He's like so thankful, man. <laughs> His hands sweat too. So I'm holding this little guy's hands, and, and, he, and so he's like, okay, just, you know, repeat this after me. And because it was very clear, if you ask for it, he give, he's already given it, so you just receive it. And so, you know, we prayed, in Jesus' name, Amen. And he's like, ooh, there it is, there it is. And I'm sitting there going, okay, my tongue, I'm kind of moving my tongue. Feels normal, nothing's happened. And he goes, okay, pray in your prayer language. So, of course, I do what everybody does. If you've ever led anybody in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is what, what usually happens. Dear Heavenly Father, they pray in English. And you're like, no, 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 pray in tongues. What does that mean? It'll, it's, see, what's so different about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's the first time that your mind 
is not controlling your tongue, your spirit is. So it can be real different. Now, there's, there's some of you, God bless you. It's like the pastors that I know that are blessed with this incredible preaching gift and they could sing. I'm like, Jesus, come on, right? So I'm not feeling anything. So, and this guy is making me. He's like, don't pray in English. Whatever sound is there. So I'm like, I make a couple sounds. He's like, yeah, there it is, there it is. There, you got it. And so I was kind of excited about that because I'm like, great, so we're done. And so I left and I'm, I'm going, going home, I'm riding my bicycle home. You know, it was about six miles and because I, I wasn't driving yet. And so I'm riding home and I'm like, okay, that was really weird. But man, but he showed me in the word. How did I get off on all this? And, and but, so, so then I'd be like, I'd make a couple little noises. I can't make the noises that I made then. They were just little noises. I didn't realize it, but that was, that was my prayer language. And so, I literally... All of a sudden, I would literally wake up at night. That night, I'm waking, or I actually, I go home, and, and you know, so I, I kind of never wanted to be home much because we lived in a 35-foot travel trailer, uh, and my dad was a full-blown alcoholic, so I just, I would get ra enraged because of the way he would treat my mom and me. And so I would spend a lot of time, and I had this little area I'd have to climb this 10-foot fence, and I'd get back in there, and I'd work out and do different things. And so I was there, but I took my Bible because I just wanted to read my Bible. And I just wanted to read my Bible. And, and, and the Holy Spirit, now I know, was down on the inside of me going, pray in your prayer language. Pray in your prayer language. For two weeks, I would just think about being in the Word all the time. So I would just read the Bible I, I would just, you know, I, I, it was amazing. And, and the Holy Spirit the whole time, he's just, he never would force me because he doesn't force you to do anything. He won't violate your will. But it constantly, I'd go to school. I'd be on a basketball court at Garfield Park or Monroe Park, and it was constant. Pray in your prayer language. Pray in, God loves you. I've got, and so finally it culminated I'd make a few sounds, whatever, and I'm thinking, why don't I feel like what my mom felt? And so finally it got to the point where I just, I remember, I'm 15 years old and I'm like, okay, God. Because, you know, I grew up Baptist, so we respected the Lord. And I'm like, okay, this feels real strange. But your word tells me that if I receive it, I have it. So I apologize. This is, how faith, this is how full of faith your pastor was. So if, if I'm mumbling and it's me, I just, I apologize. But your word said this, so I'm just going to mumble. And so I would start walking around just praying in my prayer language, but it, it, I don't even remember. I can't tell you 
when it changed from feeling strange, I don't remember. I, I mean, it might have been hours. It might have been a day. It could have been a week. I don't remember because what happened was, I mean, literally, it became an explosion on the inside of me. And I'd walk around. I'd be at school. In class, on a basketball court. Literally, I just started doing that. And, and what I would, it got to the point when I'd work out. It would, I would feel strength and empowerment. And guys that I had beat up, I'm going to them at, at school. I am so sorry for what I did. Now, in defense of me, they started it. They always started it. <laughs> now, the definition of started it was, I really felt like they were going to start it. <laughs> God help me. But, I mean, I, I, would, I, would, I would get so angry at my dad. And I would literally just, I would, I would go out. I, I would leave, leave our, our trailer and just go, go for walks and, there was this biker guy down the street that they kind of took me in. You know, I'd sure love to find those guys. They saved my life. There were some bikers that wanted to beat me up, and I think he got rid of them. I don't know how. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> they protected me. But, you know, I'd go down, and, but I'd start praying in the Spirit, and it would take me from rage to just at peace. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. It says this, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power. Dunamis. Miraculous power that is released. How God anointed Jesus with Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and even with Dunamis who went about doing good healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. But you, you shall receive power. You shall receive dunamis power. After that, the Holy Ghost, not has come within you, he's already in you as a believer, is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Wow. This is what we're talking about. Go to Acts chapter 2 in verse 1. Acts chapter 2 in verse 1. Look at this. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Notice it didn't say in one accord. God doesn't like Honda any more than he likes Toyota. <laughs> right? Sorry, Jake. Right? He drives a Honda. Get it? Accord? Yeah, okay. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I'm just making sure that this, this girl that you have on your right is not distracting you at all, you know, because you guys are such a cute couple. And... Did I just embarrass them? No. Can't be embarrassed, can you? Not anymore. They've been around me too much. Okay. 
it says they were all with one accord in one place. This, this, word, this word in one accord, it means they all had one passion. I wonder how long it took them to get there. We don't know how long they were in the upper room before the day of Pentecost was fully come. Because I'll guarantee you, it's more of God waiting on us. Why do we not see the power? Because we don't have one passion. People are passionate about themselves, so they never really know what passion is. Because when you get passionate about the things of God, it changes you. So get ready for this. They were all with one passion. You could, you could uh, in the Greek, it could read this way. And they were all with one fire. It literally means to burn with one thing. They were all on fire. They all wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what was happening on the day of Pentecost. Jesus said, don't go anywhere until you be endued, clothed with the mighty Holy Spirit. And they were all with one passion, one fire. They were all on fire with this desire. Okay, Lord, we're here. Is it now? I, I just have to have this. I want him. I want him. That's that's the environment. What would happen in our church services if we were like that? I mean, I got to tell you, there's some wonderful things that happen in our church family. Like right now, the hunger level in this room is very high. And God is taking us to one passion and one fire. Hallelujah. It says... And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. I heard one minister talk about that he was in a meeting and during worship, he was, he was a speaker. There were, there were you know, several thousand people here. It was kind of in a convention center. And he went to speak. It was in another country. And um, during worship, he was up on stage and they were singing and the band was playing and they were, they were worshiping God. And he was looking out and he saw people eating hot dogs. They had gone to concession stand and drinking soda and coffee and just kind of while this whole worship thing is going on. And the Lord prompted him to get up and talk about reverencing and honoring God. And he said, this happened that it was like a sound. He described it. He said it was amazing. It felt like, it felt and sounded like a jet engine had, was going off in this convention center, but it wasn't hurting anyone's ears. The people on the outside were literally running in the building going, what is going on? Because it, it sounded like there was a jet just have you ever seen or heard a jet really, really rev its engines before it takes off? This is, this is what we're talking about. Why? Because he is full 
of power, increasing power. I'm telling you, when the enemy comes at you like a flood, he will rise up to where you will go, no, you won't. I will not put up with it. You are made to dominate the enemy. It says, a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here, tongues was the initial evidence that they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that powerful? Go to Ephesians 5.18. I think, I think I could finish with this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 18, it says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And this word filled, literally, in the literal Greek, would read this way, but be being filled. One baptism, many fillings. Be being filled. That's the deeper, the wider, the higher, the farther. That means that's the little, that's the little babbling brook that turns into a creek, that turns into a lake, that turns into a river, that grows into a mighty river, that puts you into an ocean of power and experience in the Holy Spirit. Be endued with power. Be clothed with the mighty Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you. At the end of this service, Pastor Edwin and his team will be down here. If you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, I want to encourage you, don't leave here without it. And what they'll do is if you come down for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we won't have to do that in front of people right here. They'll take you into the conference room, which is right, right across the hallway, and they could lead you into that. I want to encourage you. If you're like not ready for that and want more information, come up and ask them, what is a good book that would have scriptures so that I could feed on those scriptures? If you've been taught that this is not real, that this is not, then get scripture right because god wants you to have to be clothed in the mighty holy spirit so that it will he will produce inward strength in you that will cause you to walk in outward empowerment because you need it and the world needs it you are special and i'm telling you we are to be led by the Spirit of God. And I'm telling being led by the Spirit of God, we've talked about this, right? We live in His presence. We're united with Him in fellowship. We submit to His written word. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 tell us how to do that. 
We renovate our thinking. And this is the doorway. But that empowerment will grow and expand in you so that you'll be so at peace, so at rest on the inside while great empowerment is coming out of you. And you're at peace and rest because of this inward strength that you have that is not from you. And this is what the Bible says, that we as Christians, we are to be strengthened inwardly and continuously by God. You're not to walk in your own strength. I'm telling you, we are living right in the middle of perilous times. Dangerous times, difficult times, strength-reducing times, pestilence, earthquakes, riots, wars, all this stuff, and the church in the middle of it lives in the kingdom of God under the shadow of the Almighty, and they say, no man takes my life, I lay it down. Amen. Right? They, it says, a thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not come near me because I live in the inaccessible place, the secret place. I live under the shadow of the Almighty. My life is literally tucked away with Christ in God. Isn't that powerful? Jeanette's mom was sharing that she heard this pastor say, it's like when you get saved, you are put in Jesus' hand, and then the Father takes his hand and puts it over that. It's an inaccessible place of refuge. It is an unlimited place of inward strength and outward empowerment. This is how we live as Christians. Can you see that right now? So don't oppose it. It's yours. And it's who you are. So go in your Bible to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And let's continue talking about that. This is the day of Pentecost. But I got to tell you, every day is the day of Pentecost for me. Because I'm be being filled with the mighty Holy Spirit of God who loves me. He leads me, he guides me, he strengthens me, he's my mentor, he's my trainer, he give, he's the one, the agent of truth, he teaches me the word of God. He always gives me what to say in every situation. If I get in a hard place, I don't even have to know what to say, he will bring all things to my remembrance. He is more than enough for me. He anoints me, and that anointing literally changes me into an entirely different man. I love when Jacob wrestled with that angel. It was in a place called Luz, L-U-Z. And then at, after that night, it's the first time you see the anointing of oil, and he put a stack of stones, and he anointed it with oil, and he said, this now will be called Bethel, the habitation of God. I've got to tell you, church, you are Bethel. You are the habitation of God. You can't, nothing can separate you from his love. You are his child. The greater one is on the inside of you. And he is more than enough. And you're going to walk in the greatest faith, in the greatest rest, in the greatest power that you've ever seen in your life. And all you have to do is believe 
and put corresponding action to what you believe. Right? Corresponding action. Not works. Corresponding action. See, people think, boy, how did I get off on that? People, they sin. They do some sinful behavior. And then they repent. Or they think they repent. Because they think repenting is when you go to God and say, oh, Father, I confess that before you, and I repent of it in Jesus' name. And then 15 minutes later, now I don't know if this is just me or if this has ever happened to you, but then 15 minutes later, you do the same thing. Oh, I need to repent again. No, you don't need to repent again because you never repented. Because when you repent, the word literally means, it doesn't mean confess, it means repent. It means to change your mind. So you'll know if you've changed your mind because you won't do it anymore. We got a lot of people running around thinking, man, you know, when I was three years old, I prayed a prayer. Or when I was 20 years old, I came forward and I prayed a prayer. And I believe Jesus is God. But they have no desire to go to church. They have no desire to read the word. They have no desire for God at all. Are they born again? Because all they did was say, twinkle, twinkle, little star. See, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So James, it brings this out, there's got to be corresponding action. So how do we know who's saved and who's not? You won't. Because we can't judge the hearts of a man. But we can yield all of our fruit in our season. So we could just be Jesus to people. See, guys, we're living in a day, as a pastor, I got to tell you, I hope everybody in this church is saved. I, I, I want everybody to, to go to heaven but also walk out God's path on their life. I, I know so many people that would tell you, man, I'm, I'm a believer. I believe God. And they'll go out tonight and sleep around and I think this is okay and that's okay. And they have no... When was the last time you even thought about going to church? Oh, no, I don't go to church. There's all these hypocrites there. And pastor, you better not say this to me in church or I'll leave. Okay. But God will keep wooing you. Here's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit never convicts you of sin. Right? The word convict is the word convince. He doesn't convict you of sin. When you give into your flesh and do some sinful behavior... Your spirit convicts you of sin. Okay? So a Christian, can a Christian look like somebody in the world? Can they have this sin habit that they just keep, it keeps perpetuating? Yep. And what, but what, if they're a Christian, they're going to have some inner turmoil along with that. Because their spirit is going, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be part of this. But if a person has no inner conviction at all, I'm not going to minister to them as a Christian. I'm going to minister to them as if they don't know God. 
because they can't change if they don't know God. But what is the Holy Spirit? He convicts the believer of something every moment of every day of your life. And this word convict, against is the word convince. The Holy Spirit, he comes to the world and convinces them of their need for Jesus. He will convict them or convince them that you need to change and stop this sin of rejecting Jesus and give your life to him. But once you're saved, the Holy Spirit convicts the believer of righteousness. He's constantly convincing you. He doesn't get down on you when you sin. He, he literally, he will convince you you're a child of God. This is not who you are. What you just did is not who you are. You're righteous. He'll constantly be convincing you that you're righteous, you're righteous, you're righteous. So know that about the Holy Spirit. He convicts the believer that we're righteous because he wants to take the word of God and build a righteousness consciousness in you so that now you can walk free. And so that now it's a righteous behavior. See, what leads a person to repent? It's the goodness of God. It's not he's mad at me, he doesn't, no, no, no. What would he have to be mad at you about? He condemned all your sin in the body of Jesus. He's not mad at you. Is he disappointed? Oh, absolutely. Doesn't please him. Why? Because he can't get anything over to you. He's given you all this, but you can't receive it because you're not in the right place. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He'll, he'll just promote the goodness of God. Get in the word. I'll show you how to do this. I'll lead you into it. Don't feel guilt and shame and condemnation because that'll pull you back into the sin. No, 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 no. You've been made righteous. You've been born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And he'll empower you to walk. This is what the Holy Spirit does. What does he do? The baptism of the Holy Spirit, it literally pulls out on the outside who you are on the inside. I hope this is helping you. See, in the church today, Christians want to, or people who go to church want to know how I could have Jesus and still be my own Lord. Well, you, you can't. But why are they even thinking that way? Because we're not preaching this. Or we're using this as a battering ram to their life. You better turn or you're going to burn. Is God the righteous judge of all the earth? Absolutely. Does judgment bring him pleasure? All through the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, it does not bring him any pleasure. He loves people. He loves people so much, he died. I mean, think about this. He died, he sent his son to die for people he knew would never receive him. Wow. So many Christians are hearing and hearing, or I should say it this way, they're listening and listening and listening, and their motivation is what God can do for me. And, and, and anything happens in their life and they immediately get mad at God, which is ultimate ignorance, right? 
I'm mad at God. God, why did you allow that? They'll say things like this. Why did you take my loved one? You know, God never, it, God never has taken anyone. He receives them. And he doesn't want people to leave the planet early. But still, people leave the planet early because the enemy steals, kills, and destroys. But if we will love with the love of God and allow the Holy Spirit of God to strengthen us inwardly and empower us outwardly, he is irresistible. His love is irresistible. The prominent, the world thinks, I don't want to go to church because there's just a bunch of hypocrites there. Right? And there's a bunch of judgment there. No. No, 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 no. No, there's no judgment here. Zero judgment. I only judge one person in my life. And that's me. Right? The Bible says if I judge anyone else, I'm seated in the same judgment. You see this all the way back in the Old Testament. Moses, instead of speaking to the rock, smacks the rock. He was fed up. He said, these people, I'm basically sick of them. He judged them, and guess what? He got the same judgment as they got. God says, you're not entering the promised land. Moses comes back to him and says, God, can I talk to you about this? He says, nope, don't ever talk to me about it again. He goes, I'll show it to you. He was establishing a principle. In the same way that you judge, you'll be judged. And you think, well, why? Why? No, 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 you're in control. Just don't judge. You do me wrong, and this is what you will always get. Mercy. You know why? Because when I mess up, you know what I want? Mercy. Always. Amen? Isn't this, this is good preaching. Man, I'm like all over the place here. All, all over the place. Hallelujah. So Romans 12, too, did you ever find that yet? Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing or the renovation of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Paul is saying that the renewing of your mind is the doorway to being led by the Spirit of God. 